1: We're on a mission to explore beyond comfort zones, and we're really starting to make waves. We are honored to be 130th in self-improvement podcasts in the UK. Ready to take the first step outside of your comfort zone? Dive into SirenSoapbox.com, where you'll find links to our blog, magazine, YouTube channel, and movie club. So many ways to explore, pick one today, and experience life outside of your comfort zone. Have you ever found yourself daydreaming while watching your favorite action TV show or movie and wondered what it would be like to be able to do some of the amazing stunts? So of the sirens. While researching how to accomplish this feat, we came across the Freestyle Staff Academy run by actress and stuntwoman, Michelle C. Smith, as seen on Deadpool, Arrow, and Smallville, just to name a few. According to MichelleCSmith.com, Freestyle Staff Spinning combines the very best of technical staff manipulation, martial arts, and performance arts to create a badass and very fulfilling practice. Freestyle Staff increases your physical fitness, your strength, mobility, endurance. It also gives next level coordination, dexterity, better memory, and focus. It's like having all the coolest superpowers in your own personal movie. The Sirens took Michelle's free basic flow combo course and according to the website, this combo course is designed to help you navigate your way through the world of freestyle staff spinning with full comprehension and a high level of technique. Let's find out how the sirens did. But first, if the conversation gets too intense, the safe word is...
0: Mango. Mango.
1: First up on her soapbox is Sara.
2: Well, I thought this challenge was a lot of fun. In my senior year of high school, I was on the flat core. So at every football game, I'd be out there twirling a flag around. This felt a little bit like going back in time. I mean, you know, just a couple of years. Anyway, I started the challenge by watching the Michelle Smith freestyle staff spinning videos, and I was pretty impressed with Michelle's skill. Not only with the spinning, of course, but also in the way that she teaches each skill and puts everything together, even showing us how to make our own staff. I at first thought that I might use a handmade walking stick that I have It was made by my, uh, Brother, my uh, late brother-in-law. But I pretty quickly realized that not only would that be pretty off balance, but I'd likely break it after dropping it 50 times. So I decided to go ahead and make my own. I found everything that Michelle suggested pretty quickly. Although I, as usual, spent a ridiculous amount of time deciding what color tape I wanted. Anyway, the staff was super easy to make and I'm very happy with it. Then it was time to actually learn the spinning. I watched those videos several times before trying it myself and found that the way Michelle slows things down and breaks every move into little bits really helps it come together. I'm still at the take it very slow phase, but I'm starting to feel pretty comfortable with doing forward and reverse spins and transitioning back and forth. I mean, I'm doing it slowly and I may be talking to myself the whole time, so I'm sure it looks hilarious, but I'm practicing. My wrists and forearms sure know something's been going on. When I started practicing in today, it took about a minute for them to really start yelling at me. But today I found Michelle's hand and wrist warm-up video, so I'll definitely definitely be starting with that tomorrow. Watching Michelle in action in her other videos is pretty impressive. She's absolutely a badass, and I would love to imagine myself jumping around and spinning my staff like that. I kind of picture myself in an emergency room if I try, though. Jess... I know that you're already a badass, so are you a staff-spinning badass? Have you done this before?
3: <laughs> Thanks, Sarah. Well, my first experience with both staffs is probably the same as a lot of people my age and that it came from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I loved that show. I for sure would go out in the backyard, grab sticks, and swing them around, pretending I had a staff or nunchucks or If I found a Y-shaped one, I pretended that I had the little size or whatever they're called. It's been so long, I can't remember. (laughs) But I was not coordinated as a child. And so for sure, I didn't look like a Ninja Turtle, probably to anybody other than myself. But this challenge did remind me that I still have no coordination. So that being said, I did feel like a badass when I got the rhythm of spinning. I'm still trying to master the basic spin quickly, cause I feel like it gets out of control if it starts going too fast. And I really want to do the wrist elbow strike because it looks so super cool. I only hit myself in the face a couple times. I did drop the staff a lot. So I was glad to have the tape on the end so I didn't ruin my floors. But I love that Michelle was so encouraging and made sure to say, you're gonna drop it. Don't worry, you're gonna drop it a lot. <laughs> As a lefty, I found I got the rhythm of spinning with my left hand better, so that made me feel a little more confident. I still can't spin fast and I need to keep practicing, but it was so fun, so I think I will. It also is a good workout and I kind of feel like I have carpal tunnels, so I think I'm gonna have to check out that video Sara was talking about because I think I definitely need some warm-ups. I'll need to get some suggestions on how to avoid feeling like I have carpal tunnel, and maybe how to not hit myself in the face. So anyway, Elsie, you like superhero movies. Did you feel like a superhero doing this?
1: Oh, hell yeah. I am one of those types of people that will watch a superhero movie and instantly think, I too can be a badass. True story, on the way to the car after watching Eon Flux, I twisted my ankle trying to do a roundhouse kick thing like Sharice Theron did in the movie. So there's that. Every Halloween, I dress up as some sort of superhero, like Black Widow, Wonder Woman, or Alana, or a Sith Lord. So it was no surprise to me that I was drawn to this challenge, especially since I was already a fan of Michelle's many epic lightsaber-wielding TikToks. When I try something new, I go all in, and I wanted to buy a really expensive staff. But I went for the DIY option because Michelle provides a video. It was a ton of fun and easy to follow, and I gotta say, I love my staff more than anything I would have been able to buy online. Before even logging into the class, just holding the staff made me feel like a badass. And here's a little secret I never told the sirens, I too was on the flag team for a little while in high school. It was was just a little while ago too, right, (laughs) Sarah? So I had a little practice with something similar already. I wish we had taken this class before we learned how to do fire dancing. Sirens, can you imagine how much cooler our fire staff spins would have been with more practice? I did notice a synchronicity with the fire dancing class and Michelle's class. They both said slow is smooth, smooth is fast. I love that. It's something I need to keep remembering and reminding myself because I am so impatient. The course was so much fun. Michelle's energy and passion are just contagious. I love that she makes it accessible for everyone and breaks it down into easy to digest steps and it is a skill that builds on other skills and this building block is just free in this class. There's even suggestions on how to practice which makes approaching practice that much easier. I did have to video on my phone her hand movements and then slow-mo them and then hold my phone in one hand and then the staff in the other and then that helped me to like so my brain can click with what my hand is supposed to be doing. I'm starting to get the hang of it. I might not be a professional badass yet, but I'm certainly becoming a badass. Murr, is this the first time you tried staff spinning? Yeah,
0: staff spinning is definitely new to me, but it does remind me of fire dancing also. The difference of course is that nothing was on fire this time in my living room, thank goodness. <laughs> But Michelle C. Smith taught me all about the different types of staves in one of her videos. And as the other Sirens mentioned, has a video tutorial on making your own staff. And I spent less than $20 to make my uh, really cool red and black staff here. I think the most expensive piece was the duct tape I bought to decorate it. So, and then I'll have that around forever, right? But I took Michelle's free basic flow class. And I found that I don't really understand the reverse figure eight. So I'll have to keep practicing. My favorite part of this week's challenge was watching Michelle's videos, though. She's a talented badass and a great teacher. And I'm mesmerized watching her spin the staff. I think she must spend hundreds of hours each month practicing, which is why I'll never be as good as her with the staff. Sure. It's fun trying though. And I think I found my new arm workout. Michelle C. Smith is an actor, stuntwoman, speaker, and educator. Since she was five years old, she has been training to create a level of mastery around a very unique and highly valuable skill of prop spinning or manipulation. She is a world champion baton twirler turned professional stuntwoman, martial artist, and educator. You can see her in C. Deadpool, Supergirl, Supernatural, Van Helsing, Smallville, and more. She is passionate about sharing these gifts and for you to experience the confidence, knowledge and awareness that she has dis- that she has discovered through staff spinning. With Michelle C Smith's help, you will unleash your own inner badass. Sirens, please join me in welcoming Michelle C Smith to this episode of Siren's Soapbox. Hey, <laughs> hey.
4: hey. Thanks welcome. Thanks for having show. me. That was so nice. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs>
0: Michelle, we're curious, how did you dive into the world of staff spinning and being a professional stunt woman? That's a great
4: question. And, you know, I wasn't expecting it to be my career. Like you mentioned, I grew up as a baton twirler and a really high level one at that. And when most people, when they graduate from high school, they just sort of stop their sport, whether that be dance or gymnastics or soccer, in my case, it was baton, but I didn't feel like I was done yet. And I felt like there was more to it than what I was just learning as a baton twirler. So as I progressed through my professional career, I started off as a dancer and then went into circus and then eventually found stunts. Uh, Quickly as I found stunts, I started learning martial arts. And then I realized that there was a huge correlation and compatibility between baton twirling, dance and martial arts. It's almost like it's the same thing, just a different intention and tool. So uh, as soon as I started martial arts, I picked up a sword and was like, wait, I can do this. And then something clicked where I was like, "There there is a connection between these two skills. And for the longest time, I've been searching for a way to change the way the world sees baton twirling because they generally people, when you mention baton twirling, have a pretty outdated vision of what it is. But then I instantly knew that as soon as I got my hand on these martial arts weapons that I was like, oh, This is it. This is how you can blend those two worlds together and create a complementary skill. And that's where Freestyle Staff was born. And so I started with just me posting, being like, look, look what I can do. Uh, And then eventually I started making tutorials, and then people started learning them. And then it just became this whole thing that created its own momentum. And I'm just so, so happy that people find it and people enjoy it. And I think it really speaks to people's inner child because, like, said, you want to be a superhero. You want to be a ninja turtle. And this is the perfect way to learn. And you're never too old to be a ninja or a superhero or a Jedi or a ninja turtle. Or a badass in general.
0: Right. Absolutely. That's like all of the above. So a couple months ago, we all took a fire dancing class on St. Croix. Well, Jess Mm -hmm. wasn't there. We missed her dearly, but we took a fire dancing class on St. Croix. So, and we were wondering, have you ever done any staff spinning with a fire staff?
4: Yeah, I have actually. When I was doing circus, I worked for a professional circus company called the Underground Circus. And I was doing like silks and hoop and rope and like hand to hand. But my sort of like backup act was always manipulation, which would be my stabs or batons or poi. I just ended up being that person. So it was just a really nice, easy thing to add to a show. So I've done fire poi. I've done a lot of fire poi. I've done fire staff. I've done like fire baton with like two batons or three batons at one time. I've done fire fans before. Uh, I have a fire sword somewhere. Yeah, I did a lot. I haven't done it in probably the last 10 years, but I've done a lot of fire and I can appreciate that fire dancing would be a fun challenge because it's got that like heat and that danger and the sound like
0: oh yeah and I think that was and the <laughs> sound was my favorite part of learning how mm-hmm. to fire dance It moving the um staff and like the figure eight that reminded me a lot of using the poi I know it's a completely different mm-hmm. instrument but that's what, what it reminded me of
4: yeah that makes sense I all flow arts tools, even juggling, everything sort of shares a, a universal language. And that's just based on the laws of physics and mechanics in our reality. If you have an object, whether it's a staff or poi or rope dart or a sword or like a sigh or something, it if you have a fixed point, meaning like you're holding on to one end of it, and then you want to move it around, it's always going to create circles because it's attached to that fixed point, whether it's a hard or a flexible tool. So that's why poi feels similar to those forward figure eights because essentially you're doing the same skill, but the technique and the tool are gonna be slightly different. And so if you understand, this is why I created the whole course of basic flow because if you understand the pattern and you understand the mechanics, you can apply that to absolutely anything. You could learn these technical staff spinning skills and then go do your fire dancing and be a total badass because you're like, look at what I'm doing. This is cool. (laughs) But then you can also use it for your sword training. You could do it for nunchucks, rope dart, anything. Hoop spinning. Juggling has its own little thing in there somewhere. The ribbons that uh, rhythmic gymnasts use, all of that. Everything is speaking a universal language. And I think that's the biggest gap that I'm trying to like close where it's like learn this on a neutral weapon or a neutral tool, which is just a big stick and you can do anything. You could take over the world with staff spinning and the world just doesn't know it yet.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So we talked a little bit about some of the physical and mental benefits so far. Can you go a little bit more into that? And then do you have a favorite success story with a student so far?
4: Oh, yeah. I have a lot of really great students. I have really, really enjoyed watching people pick it up from scratch. So I started when I was young. I was five years old when I started. So I don't remember not being able to do this. I remember being not as good, but I don't remember not knowing how it works. But essentially, because you're doing this very Minute fine motor skill movement. What you're doing is you're creating a lot of neural pathways and synapses that are creating clear connections to coordination. And because we're going to be doing everything in both hands, you're simultaneously training your brain to do multiple things at once. And so it ends up being just as much as a mental workout as a physical workout. So like you were mentioning before, like your shoulders are burning, you're like getting the greatest arm workout, but then you're also getting this really intense brain workout. And I say to my students a lot, if you're not getting a skill today, try for a few more times, but then let it go, put it down, either leave it for a day or two or reteach it to yourself later on. And you're more likely to pick it up quicker and easier the next time you do it, because it takes time for your brain to build those neural pathways. And the deeper and more clear those neural pathways are, the easier it's going to be for you to pick up and learn and recall a skill. So this is really, really heavily based in your nervous system, because it is such fine attention to detailed type of work. And so allowing yourself that patience and that time is also a really nice thing. And what I've heard from students, I put up a poll on my Instagram a couple months ago where I said, what are you getting out of this? And I was so surprised at how many people said it's helping me stay present. It's helping me with my anxiety. It's helping me calm down and slow down in my life because I have to, you can't just go at warp speed because that's when you get hit in the face with it. <laughs> but if you go with slow, with smooth, smooth and fast, you're not only training your brain, you're training your arms, but you're training just your energy in general sort of to slow down, take a break and just be where you're at. So it really pulls you into the presence and that's in the present. And that's what I really, really love about it. And I think that people need to find more fun in movement. I think that the fitness industry has all like messed us up a little bit and what fitness is supposed to be. So here is a method of moving your body That's playful. It's really great for your shoulders. It's really great for your shoulder and wrist mobility. It's great for your brain. And it's a really great addition to any sort of fitness or working out that you do, or it's just great on its own. But I really love that it has that playfulness to it because we need more of that. Everything is way too serious and we're taking things way too seriously. And I think that if we could just slow down, be a little bit more present, and play more, I think we'd all just be happier in general in our lives. That's my theory.
0: I love that theory.
4: Yeah, I do. I do too. And I, that's something that I'm personally working on as well, because a lot of my own life and my training has been like a job. So I feel like I've had this job since I was five years old, because it was really intense. And so I'm doing the same thing. And one of the things that I really love sharing with my students is that I'm often sharing what I'm teaching with where I'm at in my life presently. So right now I'm really big on like, let's slow down and play. Let's find healthy ways to move our body because that's exactly where I'm at now, where I am in like with my age and my career and the amount of abuse that I've done to my body doing stunts and circus and training 40 hours a week my entire life. So now it's like, okay, let's step back and, and let's find a healthy, balanced place to do this and talking about success stories. I have so many students that tell me this, but I'm thinking of one in particular. He's a lovely, lovely man in Australia. He lives in Melbourne. And he mentioned to me one time that like he was really struggling with anxiety and not feeling great about where he was in his life. And he was just struggling with a lot of things, which is something that we hear a lot of from a lot of people these days. And, and the feedback that I got was like, I started practicing and it gave me something to work on. And I like to say, like, celebrate your small victories. When you do a skill 10 times in a row, even if it's super slow, that's a victory, celebrate that. And, and just more of that. And and he said that those little victories were really, really helpful for him. And then also that there was this encouragement to drop. And when I was growing up, dropping meant I got in trouble. So I had this like fear of dropping. And so I'm trying to heal that in myself by telling other people like, fail, please fail at this. Drop your stick. You're not failing, but you need to drop your stick in order to get better. But uh, just that simple act of giving ourselves permission to just, it just not go right, I think is something that also is really needed in the world right now. Like there's just sort of this, like, I think, partly with just like how visible everything is with like social media and the internet, that everything's perfect and pristine all the time. And it's not, it's learning a new skill is messy. And, and if we can just know that and, and come in with that attitude that like, I'm going to mess this up at some point. And that's totally great because that means that I'm learning. That means that I went outside my comfort zone. It means that I'm trying something new and I get to be a detective on like, okay, why did I drop that? okay, now I'm going to pick it up and I'm going to make a few little adjustments and see what changes. And I think that we all just need to give ourselves permission to just be a little messier in our lives. And so that was some of the feedback that's really stuck with me of this really helped me with my anxiety. I really love the like permission to drop the permission to just mess it all up and celebrating that. And it seems so minute, but it makes a massive difference in our lives.
3: I think that also what you're saying about like, just if you don't get it, just walk away. I have a habit yeah. of like trying something again and again and again, and getting so frustrated that I just give up on the whole thing. Like mm-hmm. screw it. Mm-hmm. This isn't going to work. I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm done. And then just walk yeah. away. And that's, you know, and then, so you didn't get that part of it. That doesn't mean you can't do the whole thing. So I think that's super important to stress. Yeah.
4: And, and like I said, like this skill in particular is a very nervous system dominant skill as is with all skills. Like our whole lives are run by our nervous system, but because it's just so specific and mechanical that it's okay if you don't get it because your brain, it takes weeks, months, years to create those neural pathways but then also, like, you might struggle with one skill, but then you'll be a genius at another skill. And I found that across the board. So you'll get brand new beginners coming in, will learn the first skill. Some people will pick it up right away. They're like, I got this. And then there'll be some people that'll just get a little bit stuck, just not quite um, getting the rhythm of it. I, I like to switch up how I describe it, because I know that people learn in all different types of ways. People have different types of Backgrounds and pre existing skills and ways of seeing the world. So I'm like gonna try everything I can to explain this to you. And then so somewhere down the line, if you keep going, if you struggled in the beginning, there's gonna be another skill that you're just gonna get right away. And then if you maybe got it right in the beginning, down the line, there's gonna be a skill that you struggle with. And so it just really just equalizes everything. And there's so much material for people to learn that. You might discover that you like the fast spinning skills. Some people really like the tricks, tossing and catching. Some people really like the rolling skills where it stays on your skin. You don't have to learn absolutely everything. That's my job. But if you're just doing this for fun, you pick the ones that make you happy and you get really good at that. And then you can pull it out anywhere with any tool. And you are like the coolest person ever.
1: What an
0: so,
4: amazing like, party, party trick. trick. Yes, <laughs>
0: totally. That's what I'm thinking. Oh my like, God. Man, I will. Oh I will God. be invited to everything from now on. Yep.
4: <laughs> yeah. And you can spin everything. I have a couple of videos on my TikTok from like way back in the early in the lockdowns where I was just like in my kitchen spinning utensils just because people are like, can you use this? Can you use? just, I try it. Don't what ask happens? me. Just go out and try it. Yeah, <laughs> umbrellas are really great. If you have a long umbrella, really mm. good. That'd um, be fun. spatulas, spoons. Don't do knives. Don't mm. do that. Um, but there's Brooms. so many tools. Brooms are great. Uh, golf clubs. Just be careful. Hockey sticks. That might be really specific to Canadians, but like anything stick-like, you could walk through a forest. Find a stick on the ground and spin it. I call it nature staff, but like it's (laughs) totally possible. So anything that stick like
3: Michelle C. Smith do not encourage spinning sharp objects. No, don't do it with sharp
4: things or heavy things. If it's super heavy, don't do it.
0: Yeah, that's 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 not
4: going to end well for you. How did you get into stunts? That just seems so cool to be doing
2: stunts. stunt double for and meeting people how did you get into that
4: yeah well I I like to see that stunts found me I was doing so when I moved to Vancouver to pursue my professional career uh there is a film industry in Vancouver it's the second biggest in North America after Atlanta so there's a lot going on here so I moved here to be a dancer I thought for sure I was going to dance for the Backstreet Boys but then by the time I got to Vancouver they were kind of like not cool anymore Um, I sort of like missed the boat by like a year and then I was dancing for a while through dance got hooked up with circus people got into circus so while I was in circus I started meeting stunt performers because the entertainment industry just it's the borders are sort of blended so dancers no circus people no stunt people no actors circus people no stunt people no actors because everybody's just constantly training and so you're just seeing people So I started making friends with some stunt people and I hadn't really considered it until one day they were playing with some like plastic swords. And I was just like, I can do that. Watch me do some stuff. And then somebody was like, you should do stunts. And I was like, "Hmm, yeah, I should. And so then I just started taking my attention at that time. I was doing dance and circus. So then I dropped dance and then I'm like, okay, I'm going to do circus and stunts. And I just started really slowly. I knew that in order for me to be a successful stunt performer. I needed to learn how to fight. I needed to learn how to fall down. I kind of already knew how to do that from like doing acro and gymnastics, but like make it look messy and be safe. How do you do that on cement? And then just getting in there and starting down the route of like, need a Demerol headshot. I had headshots, but like making my resume and and all of that stuff. And so it was just a bit of a process and a shift, but I never really knew that stunts was a thing until I started meeting stunt people. And then even then I wasn't really quite sure what it was. And so my first gig was a motion capture gig. And that's when you go in the studio and they have all the cameras and you put on the spandex suit and fill the balls. And I did uh, a show called Barbie and the Three Musketeers. (laughs) And so I was Barbie uh, in that show. And that was like my first gig. And then some time went on and then I got booked on a movie to do some circus stuff. They cut the circus stuff and they kept me because they knew I was pursuing stunts and that I had these like special skills with weapons and the show was Percy Jackson. And so they kept me because they were like, well, she's going that way anyway. Let's give her some experience. And that's like a really lucky break for me. And plus I like knew people. In, in who the stunt people that were there so I got included in that and then from there it's just been this what's felt like a, a bloody battle uphill to just get anywhere in the film industry and that's pretty uh, a normal experience for working in the film industry but yeah I didn't really know it was a thing until I was actually sort of doing it and being like, oh oh well, I guess this is what this is okay but back in the day didn't even cross my mind
0: I think that that happens a lot. Like, I don't think we know the types of careers that are out there until Mm -hmm. we like stumble upon them. And I think that's why it's so important Mm -hmm. to get out and explore things.
4: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I agree. I feel like I was just following breadcrumbs. So I was just sort of going, I knew, like I said before, I knew that when I retired from Baton, that it wasn't the end of what that was. So then I just, I'm just going to keep following the steps that are being put in front of me. And something that I'm going through now is I'm sort of shifting my career even now of maybe, maybe I don't even know, like maybe I, I can't even imagine how good and what I could do with my career. So the best thing I can do is just be really open and really present. So when those little moments come up, I can be like, oh, that's it. I'm going to go this way. And then again, just following the breadcrumbs rather than being like, oh, I'm going to become this person in the world. I have my whole next 20 years planned out. But then you're just so tunnel vision on that path. And that's the way I felt for the majority of my career where I was just like, I got to go this way. I got to go this way. But then. You sort of put your head up and you realize you've been going that way for a really long time, but you haven't actually taken time to celebrate and look around and enjoy the process of getting in there. And that's something that I'm like pulling back on <laughs> ever since the, even before the lockdowns, I was feeling this, but the lockdown gave me the excuse to be like, wait, 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 wait. let's stop. Let's stop for a second. And then like, wh- where is my heart actually in the moment? And, and if you keep following that, like you'll, you'll end up exactly where you're supposed to be.
0: I love that.
1: So, we we talked about stunts a little bit and mm-hmm. is there a stunt that you've done and it just feels like I don't know, it feels like how is this going to turn out? How is this going to look good and it turns out great? Or on the flip side, is there something that you're like, man, that turned I I was a badass and then it just didn't translate on the big screen? Have you ever had that experience?
4: Oh, yes, I have definitely had that experience. More so the latter. Because so much of what you do is out of your control. Once I've done it on the day on set, it's it's out of my hands. So I've had many experiences. I had one on Van Helsing a couple years ago. might have been like 2019 or 2018. Where I. it doesn't come up very often that I do staff stuff in shows and movies. It's just a very specific weapon. And it, it also depends on whether I'm the right person for the part or like if it's doubling somebody and they have like a short little actor, that's five, three, that doesn't work. I can't be that person. So it's only come up a few times when I have been able to do my specialty as full as I want to do it. So we built this really cool fight on Ben Helsing. I was fighting against like three of the actors. It was the end of the scene. It was super cool. And then on the day, they overshot the actors, meaning that they took all this time, our entire, like, 12, 13-hour day that we had to shoot all these tiny, like, just this tiny little sliver of the table. And so the thing that always gets pushed to the end are the stunts and this fight, and it ended up that we had a hard curfew at midnight. We had to be out of the space at midnight, and it was 11 o'clock, and we still hadn't done the fight. So we ended up getting to it around eleven thirty, we had two takes of it and like we did as good as we could in two takes but then you watch the the final product and it's just not quite what you wanted it to be and i find that is the case for a lot of fights that i do there was a fight that i did on arrow way back in the day like season two that was really really good But the way that they cut it between me and the actress and the stunt double that I'm fighting against and that actress, and then the way they color it, sometimes on those CW shows, they go really dark. So you can't actually see what's going on. You're like, ah, that could have been cool. Could have been cool. (laughs) I had another experience on Motherland a couple of years ago, uh, season two, where we did this really, I was doubling Lynn Renee, and we did this really emotional, really intense rope dart fight that was really good on the day. You watch the episode back and th- there wasn't even a rope dart fight. It was just like movement <laughs> in like this close to camera. So you can't even tell what's happening. And like the story's not being told. You're like, who authorized this? But <laughs> I have to say a lot, not my movie. This is not my movie. I did my job. I got paid I'm I'll walk away now. I just can't use that footage in any of my professional reels. Right. There uh, which is go. disappointing because I often don't get footage of things because of that. Um, but there's times that yeah, where I'm like, Oh, this is gonna be amazing. And then it kind of does. I did a a big it was a tumble down a hill. I'm using air quotes because it was actually like a tumble down a ravine in the mountains, but the coordinator was like, Oh, it's just a tumble down a hill. It was pretty gnarly, but I had to run tackle a stunt guy from like 10 feet away and pull him down the hill and then we roll down the hill and I got to stand up and point my gun at him so like first of all I can't get the stunt guy to land on me I have to roll down the hill and land on camera left and not drop my gun the rubber gun while I'm rolling down the hill and stand up and do it and we did it every time well like almost every time but it turned out great and it looks fantastic they put gopros on the trees so that you can see us sort of like falling as we go by And I thought that was super cool. And that's one of my, like, favorite things that I've ever done. It's, like, it was scary, but it was, like, roller coaster scary where you're, like, kind of excited and terrified at the same time. That's, like, the best – that's the sweet spot that you want to be in. You don't want to just be terrified and not excited. And sometimes if you're overexcited, it gets a little bouncy and then you end up hurting yourself. But, yeah, like, that's one of those moments where it actually turned out well. But I feel like I have more moments where – just like oh well had potential oh well moving on next gig that sounds painful michelle Uh, yeah stunts is not for everyone (laughs) that's (laughs) what i'm hearing yeah yeah not for everybody i don't even know if it's really for me like that's how i feel (laughs) i don't think that i'm tough enough for stunts because i have friends that are like oh i did this gnarly crash and i'm like that does not sound fun don't no, thank you. I'm good. I'm good.
1: Well, I love that you said that it's okay to be messy. It means that you're learning and you're stepping outside your comfort zone, which is what we preach every single week here, but that's by choice. You yes. have to go outside your comfort zone for your job. So yes, you had a TikTok video where you're talking about being in a harness all day. How do you mm-hmm. keep a cool head and get the job done when you're so far outside your comfort zone?
4: Well, I think that's a it's a practiced thing. Uh yeah, being in a harness is just inherently uncomfortable. It doesn't matter what you're doing, it hurts because you're being suspended and then your body is gravity is trying to push your body down. So you're sitting in that harness and we'll put I mentioned in that video like we'll put pads under the harness to sort of mitigate some of that discomfort, but they don't do everything, especially when you're in a harness all day. So there's there's some safety things that we have to go through as harnesses. Like you can't hang from a harness for more than a few minutes. It's actually really terrible for your blood flow and you could die. Um, but part of the discomfort is being really present, but also not thinking about the discomfort and not labeling the discomfort. So I found personally, whether I'm in a harness and I'm super uncomfortable or I'm, on set and my feet are killing me because my boots are really tight or it's really, really cold and my feet are frozen and I'm frozen. My hands are frozen. I can't do anything. And you're just like, I found that if you sit in that discomfort and all you think about is the thing that's making you uncomfortable, it makes it a thousand times worse rather than being I'm here. Yes, I'm uncomfortable, but so is everybody else. And my discomfort is not bad pain, you know the difference between good pain and bad pain. So I'm just going to choose to, it's not necessarily you disregard it, but I'm not going to choose to focus on it because as soon as I focus on it, like I said, it's going to get worse. So it, it really, it's sort of like that Buddhist uh, way of thinking where everything is suffering And nothing is inherently good or bad. It's only good or bad because you label it good or bad. So if you label a feeling as good, then it's going to feel good. If you label a feeling as bad, it's going to feel bad. So you get really good at stunts at just being very neutral about everything. Even if I'm like super scared to do something or I hit the ground and it really hurts because it, it hurts when you fall on the cement and you're just wearing a pair of knee pads, like it hurts but if I focus all day on the like, ah, it hurts, it hurts, yeah, 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 you're done, you're done. And there's, there's, it's a really steep slope. So once you go down that, that slope and that snowball starts running, it's really hard to pull yourself back and get to a place where you can still function. So it's just a matter. And like I said, it is a practice. Sometimes I do better at it than others. I don't like being cold. And so, like like if I know that it's gonna be cold, like if we're filming in the middle of the night and it's winter, I'm gonna do as many things as possible to make myself comfortable in that scenario. But I know that I'm still gonna be cold. But if I'm focusing on how cold I'm gonna be, it's gonna be worse that day's gonna take forever. So I think it's a it's really about neutrality. It's not labeling any feelings. It is just part of the job. And so the harness situation, Yes, there's some safety things that we need to take into account of, like we can't hang for a long period of time, but repetitive hanging is really, really painful. So you have to be able to just breathe through it, not label it, and and just move on and get through your day. Because the sooner you get through it, the sooner you can take the harness off. But if you're sitting there like, ah, like somebody else could have that job and, and be enjoying this experience. So it's not worth... Putting yourself through that if, if you don't like it, or you're you find that you don't have the capacity to hold that neutrality for a whole day. Cause it is challenging when you're hungry or you gotta go pee, or you've been on set already for 15 hours. Like it's an endurance thing, it's a practice thing. But I think that where you practice is in your regular life, where like you're too hot, you're too cold, you're hungry, you're thirsty. It's about like taking those feelings, you're feeling anxious, it's, it, which is easier said than done, but like just taking that space and being like, I'm okay, I'm safe, everything's fine, and then breathing through it. And like, you can process the things that come up, but it's not about attaching to a feeling and then holding on because, yeah, that's just, this is going to be a really long, very painful day out of, out of already a long and painful day, but you're going to make it a thousand times worse by focusing on
0: it. What you just described (laughs) reminds me of diving in the quarry when we have to do the Mm. deep dives. It is Mm -hmm. really cold in the quarry and you're going Mm -hmm. down there with students and you have to like, you know, especially the instructors will be down on these platforms for a long time, waiting for all these students to come down and complete all their skills. And it's very much an exercise and, you know, controlling your breathing and just like you said, being mm-hmm. there, knowing it's temporary, that's how yeah. you get through it. And,
4: and I can imagine when you're down there, the, the water is so cold that your body goes into its own involuntary cold procedure where you're shivering and then your breath is getting super tight. So to be able to override that system is a practice skill as well. And that I have that with stunts where I'm about to do something scary or gnarly that I know is going to hurt my body is going to have its own process that I can't do anything about that whole adrenal dump. And then my heart is doing this, my hands are shaking and I'm sweating. And, and so being able to able to override that system and just be like, we're good. Everything's fine. And then deal with the the sensations as you go one by one. But that takes so much practice and it takes a lot of patience.
0: (laughs) Does. So what's been your favorite role to play so far? Or what's your dream stunt?
4: Uh, my favorite role, I always say Deadpool. It wasn't necessarily the role, but I just really enjoyed the show. Uh, I'm really moving into a space uh, behind camera now. I feel very satisfied in terms of stunt performance. There's no stunts that I want to do. I'd actually like to do less stunts. I'm super happy to like come in and do fights in like general action, but I don't need to smash my body into the ground anymore. I'm good. There's 20 year olds that really would love that experience so they can have it. Uh, But I'm moving into a space of training actors, choreographing fights, sort of into that fight coordinator zone. I'm essentially creating my own category for myself because I can do all these things, but I really love training actors. I love the collaboration of creativity when we're building these scenes because everybody's got a different background. Everybody's got a different genius. And when you get the right group of people and it gels, it's amazing. And I'm searching for more shows like that. I worked on a show called Titans, I think it's DC Titans uh, before the lockdown. And I went out just to train an actor with swords. That was my whole job for like a month and a half. And I had the best time. It was nice to be off the hook from, all the performing stuff and just help somebody create the most badass performance and fight possible. And I'm finding that that is much more fulfilling for me now because teaching is my thing. Like teaching is the thing that fills my heart. And so if I can do that, I do that on my own. That's why I've created my whole Freestyle Staff Academy. But if I can do that in my space of work on set, I, again, I'm creating my own category because there's a big gap where like, sometimes if there's training, it'll be the stunt people, but they don't quite have time. And I'm like, I will do it. Bring me in. Let me work with your actors. I'll teach them how to move. I'll teach them how to do cool things. And it doesn't just have to be weapons. It's just movement in general. So I'm really, really enjoying that aspect of it. And I am sort of like a movement nerd. Like the the content that I watch the most are like, TikTok tarot readings, manifest manifestation and affirmations. And like, Functional fitness things. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's, that's my whole FYP on TikTok. So, I it, sort of bringing that all together is like my academy and my student base, but also like that is a gap that needs to be filled in film. And so, I'm creating that now. So, that's where I'm interested in going. I want to go and work on all those big shows, training the actors and choreographing things. If I make it on camera, fabulous. I don't need to, but that's that's sort of where I want to be and I know that there's a big gap there and so I'm just sort of like wiggling my way in and being like hey you need me money
1: it's really like the best of both worlds like just being Mm -hmm. in that environment and doing what you love and if you're on screen great if you're not you're not but I have to ask what is your favorite actor that you have met and what makes them your favorite I
4: liked, okay, so I met Ryan Reynolds, obviously. I didn't get to spend a lot of time with him, uh, but he is good friends with some of my friends. And I know that he's funny. He was really, really nice, really lovely when we worked on Deadpool together. I met Jason Momoa when we worked on C. So I worked with him for an entire year. He was a lovely man, a very large man. He is massive. <laughs>
1: He Jess is freaking
4: though. out over here. <laughs> 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 oh, little Jamo. Uh, he's lovely. I really enjoyed him. He came in really raring to go and just has a lot of energy, and he's, like, six foot five, and... He was really good about acknowledging every department, including background. And the background actors are people that often get left behind. They're the last people to eat. They get the scraps of things. It's really awful how background are treated. And he was really good at keeping them included in the process. And they were so important for that show of sea that we were doing. They were like creating the atmosphere around him. and So I really admired that about him. I always like the the lesser known actors. I really loved my actors that I worked with on Motherland. I worked on Motherland from the pilot all the way to the end of season two. And I was training them and building fights and made it on camera a bunch as well. Uh, But those actors, because I spent so much time with them, I really got to know them. I really, really loved all of them. Like Taylor Hickson is really freaking cool. Um, There's Ashley and Jess who were lovely. I loved doubling lynn i loved working with lynn demetria she played anacostia on that show she's incredible um and then there's s and amalia and arlen like all these people that like you just sort of create these natural friendships with that's what i'm more interested in i often don't know who a lot of actors are because i don't watch (laughs) anything uh so unless you're like a lister that like everybody in the world knows who you are i oh you, you're you just working today I'm working today let's work together all right let's go
0: so, I feel like yes. if I ran into most actors like out and about I probably wouldn't even recognize them
4: yeah or okay. or you would be so like oh,
0: is that...? maybe <laughs>
4: I I've seen I've seen a couple people out and about in Vancouver before and generally I don't say anything at all unless we like bump into each other in the vegetable section then yeah. it's like regular oh, hey. interaction but they're <laughs> yeah but
0: they're just people they're yeah. just people that have really great jobs and yeah. get paid well i agree lucky yeah, yeah. well yeah. i, I like say like lucky the... but i'm sure that they all worked very hard to get where they are that's the part that mm-hmm. i always that i always skip yeah. over <laughs> <The> work <really laughs> but, hard but so
4: do so do a lot of people in a lot of other lines of work sure yeah. everybody's yeah working hard there's politics and bureaucracy in every industry and and they just happen to be the people that got the gig and I know that nepotism in in the film industry is a big thing but I do know a lot of people myself included that have done it all without any help uh with like relations and stuff so it's possible but yeah they're they're just people that that got the gig right and they were good enough that people liked them and they got more gigs.
0: Yeah, for sure.
4: That's it.
3: Yeah, I like the series of memes that, you know, like tweets of celebrities saying that people thought they either looked like other celebrities or were like, yeah, you look a lot like that character from the character that they did. Like he worked (laughs) on Arrow and I remember one specifically for like Stephen M. or however you say his last name, he was in a bar having a drink and the bartender was like, you look a lot like the guy that plays Arrow. Yeah. And there was was like, like, oh yeah, I get that a lot. Of- <laughs> yeah, Tony
4: Hawk. Everyone's like, you look like <laughs> Tony Hawk. He's like, I am Tony Hawk. <laughs> no. <Lines. laughs> I, saw one, I saw one with Rowan At- Atkinson. He plays Mr. Bean. And he's like, he was in a car dealership or something. And there was a guy there and he's like, you look like, a twin of Mr. Bean. he's like, yeah, I am the actor that played Mr. Bean. He's like, no, you didn't. Nice. He really like him. he's like, no, I'm, re- I'm, I'm Mr. Bean. And he's like, no, you're not. No, no. And he's like, okay. Okay, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm Mr. Not, Bean, Sure. So. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you say.
1: Was it Tom Hanks that takes selfies with people that are like passed out in Waffle House or bars or something? Yeah. Or he like takes a fry? and <laughs>
0: That's hilarious. <laughs>
1: Hollywood's funny. I, what challenges do you face in that industry and how did you overcome them? What, what small steps or pieces of advice would you have someone that would like to follow what you do?
4: You know, the biggest thing that I would say is be patient. And because like you hear these stories of these people that just appear out of nowhere and they're on this TV show and now they're super famous, but you're not seeing like we were talking about before, sorry, cat hair in my eyeball. (laughs) Um, we, we know that seeing, all we well. all have felt that it's, <laughs> it's everywhere everywhere I don't even bother rolling my clothes when I leave <laughs> um yeah so you you hear these success stories of somebody that was just like yeah I was working in a restaurant and I got this gig and now I'm a Megan millionaire superstar but it doesn't work like that for of the people that are pursuing a career in film industry. It doesn't matter what department you're in. So you have to be patient. It's about the relationships that you create because you're spending so much time with people on these sets. And if you're not a person that's fun to be around or that people like being around, it's going to be really hard to work with you. And then you're just not going to get to work with as many people as you want because a lot of times people are going to hire the people that they know and people that they can trust. So you gotta be patient. You gotta focus on creating lasting relationships. People that I grew up with coming into the film industry are now stunt coordinators. So it's nice that we have this decade plus relationship where they know me, they know my struggle, I've known their struggle. So there's a different mutual respect of our work. And those are the people that I work for the most or these people that came with me. But I had to be patient to really find that footing. Uh, the other thing, the, there's the regular challenges of, like, sexism, uh, body issues and stuff. I've gone through my own eating disorders. I've been called the fat stunt woman multiple times. I've been told, like, to my face that that, that I'm too big to do it. I People, to this day, just comment on my weight. Doesn't matter what. They're like, oh, you...
0: Um, that is so crazy and be
4: like you look a little bit skinny you look great what are you doing like how are you getting that skinny or the opposite of like oh you look like you've gained a few pounds like just just not getting serious about things and I went through an eating disorder about 10 years ago where I was very skinny and I wasn't eating much and I was getting praise from the people around me of like, mm-hmm. oh, we're so glad you're finally taking your career seriously. And I'm like, yeah. I'm actively hurting myself right now. And you're applauding me for it. And so there's a lot of just mind games that go along and just being, trying to be a woman in an industry, especially a male dominated industry or a male has a more energetic, masculine vibe to it, like stunts It's just yeah. being like, I'm still here. I'm still valid. And and nobody's going to like tell me that I'm not smart enough or not tough enough in my industry, because that's clearly not the case. But there's sort of this idea that, well, you can get this job if you're willing to do certain things. And the people that sometimes are willing to do those things and all the power to you, if you want to go there, that's your life. They will sometimes get ahead. and And knowing that your talent and your skill is really only 10 to 20% of what makes being a professional in the film industry work. So I, for me, that was a really hard lesson to learn because I grew up training, 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 trying to be the best, trying to be the best, not good enough, not good enough. Like just keep going, keep training. And still I became very, very good at what I was doing. But for me, the social skills are the hard part. Right. So I had to learn how to hustle. I had to learn how to interact with people because I'd spent my whole life training. I didn't learn how to make friends, but that was a big thing for me in realizing that there's people that are getting ahead of me with like a 10th of the skill that I have, but it's just because they're really good at talking to people or they're willing to put themselves in situations that could get them ahead And they don't feel bad about that. And that's totally fine. But that's not the path that I took. And that's not a path that I recommend everybody take because it can get dangerous. So I I would say like the big thing is like, if you want to work in the film industry, it doesn't matter what department is. You have to make friends and you have to be patient and you just have to constantly be grinding forward and and just trusting that eventually it's going to pay off. And for some people, it pays off quicker than others. Like for me, it felt like it really took a long time for it to pay off. Considering how much training I'd already done in my life, but it really had to come down to just right place, right time, right energy, letting go of the fact that, like my skills are my skills. They are what they are. I'm overqualified in a lot of <laughs> cases. So it's more about like who are you showing up as? and who who are your friends? And yeah, that, that's unfortunately just the way it is. but, it's It can be a really toxic and cutthroat environment, which is why I've sort of stepped back from it. And I'm only choosing to walk in when I choose to walk in now. And that's not an attitude that is necessarily celebrated by the film industry because it wants to take everything from you. And so people are living these lives where they're just going from show to show to show, working 15, 16 hours a day, barely getting any downtime, but they they're just so in the in the gears of everything and how it works that it's really hard to stop because you're making money. And if I take this show and then say no to the next one, am I going to get another show? And I just, that's stressful. So I'm like, no, thank you. I'll just, <laughs> I'll just come in when I'm, when I'm available and when I feel like it. And, and a lot of people are like, Oh, that's brave. I don't know how you're going to do it. I'm just, that's what works for me. I have right. something on my own that's working and a oh. lot of people don't have that, but I've spent a lot of time building up my social media and my online academy so that I don't have to be working in film the whole time. Right. And just be there when I wanna be there because when it's good, it's fantastic. When it's not good, it's awful. And that's way too much time in my life to be unhappy. Agreed. It
1: seems like the people that are willing to jump through those hoops might have the quick success, but if you are willing to stay true to yourself, that you're going to have the longevity like you have and you yeah. have more options and more networking and connections.
4: Yeah, I would say so. Like there are people that have like made it a couple decades, obviously, because you learn as you go. It's, it's that for me, it's more important to feel fulfilled and to feel happy at this point in the game where like I've been doing, I've been working professionally for 20 years now I've been training for 33 years. Like this has been my life. So if I'm not enjoying it, it's okay if I want to shift gears. And I think that those people that are willing to jump through the hoops, there is a possibility that they could stick around, but also they could get burnt out. They could get injured or they just, people find out that they're actually not as good as they might say they are. And, and, like, some people I know that have jumped through hoops are really talented people and then they end up staying there. But, like, you're right, it, it's sort of like a quick fix. I mm-hmm. got in and now I'm in. But then, down the line, if those connections that you jump through the hoops for go away, you have nothing to stand yeah. on aside from like out? a couple of credits on your resume. But I, I just don't want to judge people for doing that because it is a method of getting in and it works.
0: It's just not one that I chose. Mm-hmm. So what is next on the horizon for you, Michelle? What's next for me? Well, I'm really learning to shift
4: gears. I'm really interested in how I can take all of these physical skills and attributes and wisdom and knowledge and transmute that into ideas and words and ways to inspire other people. I, Really, am, I'm going to keep pushing my Freestyle Staff Academy. I'm really interested in getting into speaking. I want to write a book one day. And and just taking all of this, this uh, organic reach that I have and creating something really valuable and really inspirational out of it. And so, yeah, less performing, but still doing the behind-the-scenes stuff and creating my own path that way, trailblazing my own way through the film industry if I choose to, I think, that, I think there's a way and it is happening. Like I'm actively doing that on a show right now, but just creating my own path and sort of like we were saying earlier, where sometimes you don't know where you're headed or how good it could be. And that's the space that I'm in right now. And I'm just really enjoying slowing down a little bit and focusing on what I can create for other people rather than just be like, what's next for my career. I've been doing <laughs> that my whole life.
0: Well, we want to leave our listeners with a challenge this week. <laughs> we we experience cat hair in our mouths too, all of us, it's everywhere, every one of us. So this week, we want to leave our listeners with a challenge to make your own staff and get spinning, and then let us know how it's going by using the hashtag #SirenSoapbox on all the social medias, Michelle C. Ooh. Smith's YouTube channel has so many great resources for you. Michelle, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us. Do you want to tell our listeners where they can find you?
4: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, by the way. This was fun. I really love this whole setup that you have going on. Uh, You can find me on Instagram and TikTok. It's at michelle.c.smith. That's where I hang out the most. My YouTube is Michelle Krista Smith, but that's all linked in my bio. To join the free course that these ladies did, it's uh, www.freestylestaffspinning.com slash free course and my website is michelle but if you go to my socials you can find all of those links in my link tree so that's really really easy and yeah tons of tutorials on youtube and then as well as my academy there's combo courses there's the entire academy that you get like all the tutorials all of them there's more in the academy than there is on youtube but there's lots of free resources for people if you just want to learn and you just want to play and I love it when people tag me in their stories so tag me your stories I'll repost them I like seeing it I like seeing what people are up to and every now and then I'll like offer a little word of advice for people if they (laughs) ask for it
0: I'd love that sirens. Thank you so much for spending the evening together and thank you fellow explorers for listening to this episode, check out our website, sirensoapbox.com for a mega dose of the sirens. And until next time dive in, stay curious and be happy. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of siren soapbox and a special thank you to Sea strings for providing our music snag your latest EP from iTunes today. Follow the Sirens on all the social medias and don't forget to tell your friends about us. Like and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll catch you next time on another episode of Siren Soapbox.